Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, we're going to be reading in a moment verses 9 to verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 to verse 15. When I was a young boy, when I did not have this fairly large beard that I currently have, I used to hate having a bath. I don't know if any of the boys and girls here relate to this. Do any of you, the boys or girls here hate having baths? Oh. Now maybe you're, you're different. Maybe you like to have a bath. But when I was a child, I did not like to have a bath. Why do lots of children not like to have a bath? Why? Because usually you want to stop doing something fun to do something else. And usually you don't think, ah, I'm, not, I'm not dirty, am I? I'm not really that dirty. I don't need a wash. I'm fine. When I was about 10 or 11 years old, I used to play rugby. And in our rugby team, we used to love getting covered in mud. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but I would come home covered from head to toe with mud on our jersey, our shorts and everything. Actually, if we came home clean, we were all disappointed, myself and my team. We hated washing up afterwards. However, after we did wash up, after we were made clean after the match, did we we feel better? Yeah. We usually felt much better. We often bring our dog to the groomers. And when our dog comes back from the groomers, I notice myself rubbing my dog far more. There's just something wonderful, isn't there, about cleanness. About something that has that pleasant aroma, that wonderful smell of cleanness. And it it almost attracts you toward it. Why do I say all this? All of us here need to be washed. And no, I do not mean that anybody here missed their bath or their shower this morning. What do I mean by that? We all need to be washed spiritually. We all need to be made clean spiritually. We all need to be cleansed. And why do we need to be washed and cleansed? What is the dirt that is on our souls? Sin. For all have sinned and fall short Of the glory of God. Because God is pure. God is clean. God is holy. God is perfectly pure. And so to come into a saving relationship with him. We need to be washed. And how do we need to be washed? By the blood of Christ. And so later we're going to be seeing an outward Sign a picture of that inward cleansing we all need. All of us. A sign and a seal of the inward washing of the covenant of grace. And that's in baptism. And it tells us all, in order to have a right relationship with God, we need to be washed clean. And not by physical water, dear friends. But by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
by faith in him and in him alone. So let us read now God's holy and infallible word as we turn out to Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 to 15. Let us hear God's holy word. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power in him. You were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them all in it. Later, we will be baptizing George Kenny McDowell. You may have noticed something about George. You may have noticed... Maybe it's he has not yet gone to school. Or perhaps he has not yet spoken his first words. Or could it be that he has not yet taken his first steps? You may have noticed that George is a baby. So the question now comes to us today is how can we as a church... Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptize this infant. One who cannot express faith in Jesus Christ just yet. How can we baptize him? Lawfully according to the word of God. See dear friends. Baptism is a part of worship. It is a part of worship. And because it is a part of worship. We must have a reason. A positive reason from scripture to do all that we do in worship if it is not commanded it is a wicked practice if it is not commanded an innovation brought into worship something that God condemns but if it is commanded by the scriptures which we believe as a church it is a wicked practice To neglect this sign and seal of the covenant. This sign that has been given to not just to believers but also to their children. Something that is a blessing to all in the church. A visible seal, a visible picture of the work, the inner work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of a born again believer. In Jesus Christ. So this morning as we look at this text. What can we learn? What can we learn about baptism? Why do we do this? That we may not just look to the baptism of George Kenny here this morning. But we look back to our own baptism. 
that we remind ourselves of whom we are to belong to, and that is Jesus Christ. That we would look to the promises of God, that as surely as the water removes dirt from our flesh, we are forgiven by looking to Jesus, and to Jesus alone by his blood. See, dear friends, this morning, this ordinance of baptism is not just for George, it is for the entire church. Number one, we're going to look at the principle. We're going to look at all of these six verses, and we're going to look at the principle in these verses. Verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. What is being taught here in our text? Now, in this letter that Paul writes to the Colossian church, there is a specific problem he is dealing with in that day. And what is it? It's not a new problem. It's a problem of taking Christ and the elements of the the world and attempting to mix them together. And the point that Paul is making here in these verses is that Christ is enough. And nothing is needed to make him complete for all that is needed. There is no need for additions that will be introduced by those who would seek to seduce the church. It says in him. And who is in him? In Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Or another way of saying that word Godhead is deity. Or divinity. He is as much God... The Son is as much God as the Father is God. They are one, the Father and the Son. And we are complete. All those, if you are in Jesus Christ here this morning, if you are in union and communion with Christ, you lack nothing in Christ. Nothing at all. The world will never be enough. The world will always seek to say, You lack if you only have Christ. So we are in him, believers in Jesus Christ. And I ask you here this morning, before we proceed any further, does that describe you? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you turned your back on your sins? Or are you still a slave to sin and death? Now, for those who are in Christ, in him... It it says this in verse 11. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ. It says those basically who are in Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is speaking about you. You have, you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now, You might be scratching your head thinking, does that mean circumcision, Old Testament circumcision, given to Abraham, given to Israel as a nation, continues today? Not the outward circumcision, no. But the inward circumcision continues to this day. It's not a physical circumcision that Paul is speaking about. It's an inner circumcision. And it pointed towards something. What did it point towards? Circumcision. 
points toward a new heart. It says this in Romans 2 verses 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not of the letter. Whose praise is not from men, but from God. Do you see this inner circumcision that Paul is speaking about? And it was the same in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We need a new heart. And we can only have right relationship with Jesus Christ if we have that new heart. A true Jew, as Paul was writing to Romans, is not merely someone with the outward expression of the sign of the covenant. It is one of the heart. That's what we all need. We need that inner, inner spiritual work of Christ. Bringing us into fellowship and communion with him. Making us one with him. Making us one with him. And basically it's this, dear friends. God must do a work in your hearts. It is something that Christ does by the circumcision of Christ. Who puts off the body of the sins of the flesh? It is Christ. Otherwise we don't have a saving relationship with Christ. Verse 12 then describes this relationship that we have with Christ in another way. It says buried with him in baptism. Now it uses the New Testament. Sign and seal of the covenant. In which you also raised with him through faith in the working of God. Just like with circumcision here, it's talking about the inward baptism. That inward washing that we need. That new heart that we need. Being brought into union with Christ. In order to come into union with Christ, our sin must be dealt with, doesn't it? We need that inner baptism. And when we're in union with Christ, Christ's death becomes our death, doesn't it? His resurrection becomes our resurrection. His victory becomes ours by faith and by faith alone in him. Look what Paul says here in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Now Paul was not literally on the cross with him, was he? But he shared a special and continues to share this special union with Christ to this very day. A union which will never be broken. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God. Who loved me. And gave himself for me. And dear friends if you have trusted in Jesus Christ. This can also be said of you. If you have faith in him and in him alone. You can say this. Who loved me. And gave himself for me. Isn't that special? Isn't that wonderful? He, the Son of God, gave himself for me, a wretched sinner. But to be brought into communion with Christ, we need this baptism. 
And to be brought into union with Christ brings us to what? A victory. It says in verses 14 and 15, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and this is our sins and our breaking of the law, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And this is the victory he has over principalities and powers, verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers. He has made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. You see the victory that he has. And we have victory over these principalities and powers, but only in him. Only in Christ. That's the principle of these verses. Union with Christ and described in different ways. Now what we're going to do is, because our major focus this morning is on baptism. And we're going to focus in now, in our second point, on what baptism is a picture of. So the first point is the principle. Number two now, the picture. The picture. What does baptism sign and seal? And we think of the word sign, if you see a signpost for Rathra Island. It points toward Rathra Island. But it is not the place itself. It's connected to the place. It has something to do with the place. But you have to follow the direction in which that signpost is pointing in order to actually get to Rathra Island, don't you? We have to believe what baptism signs and seals. And that is that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all of our sins. Later, when we when we pouring the water, this is the element of baptism on, on George Kenny. We also have to think about what is it a picture of? What does it set before us all? Boys and girls, do you remember the fear of bath time? You know, because you usually are doing something fun and you don't want to stop doing that thing that's fun. Oh, I don't want any more bath. Oh, no, I'm okay. And you think, I'm clean enough. I don't need to be washed. But isn't that all of us, dear friends? We all don't think we need a bath. We all don't think that we're dirty. And we all don't realize how unclean we are until God does a work in our hearts. Isn't that true? Until, we, until after the bath, then we see, oh boy, that thing I've turned away from, I realize now to a greater degree how bad that was. Water removes dirt. It washes. It's a visible picture And isn't God amazingly gracious to show us picture, this wonderful picture of the gospel. Telling us all that we need this inner work of the Spirit of God in regeneration. It uses this picture in Titus. Titus chapter 3 verses 5 to 6. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us. And listen to this, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out. Isn't that an interesting phrase? He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This picture of pouring and sprinkling and cleansing is used throughout the entire scriptures. It is the picture that is used To show us the work, the inner work of the Spirit of God. And it is a wonderful picture signifying that work. 
Washing away, purifying, because that's what the Spirit of God does. If the Spirit of God dwells in your heart, He has washed you. He has made you clean. And you can say, and and notice speaks of you, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Brought into union with Christ. Because unless you are pure in heart. You will not see God. You will not see how wonderful God is. Without this washing. And again. We do not mean physical washing. We, if, if you just have been baptized outwardly. Alone. With no faith in Jesus Christ. This sign. Condemns. It condemns. Water does two things. It can wash or it can drown. And we can be washed by this water offered to us by Christ in the gospel. Or we can be drowned by the wrath of God under the weight of our own sin. What makes the difference? A work of God in your heart. Do you have faith in him and in him alone? See, we may be thinking, well, what's the point of this outward sign and seal if I do not believe? It is is a reminder, dear friends, of the promises of God. God wants to set before us that even the youngest of us to the oldest of us, all of us need this washing. All of us need this work of God because it says in Ezekiel chapter 18, Verse 4, behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father, as well as the soul of the Son, is mine. The soul who sins shall die. There's death. Death awaits all those who are still a slave to their own sins and have not brought into sweet union and communion with Christ. Our sins are so great because of the one the infinite one they are against. And that is the picture set before us in baptism. And it points toward the same reality as circumcision. Circumcision talks about the removal of the filth of the flesh. But now replaced by baptism in the New Testament. Number three now is the privilege. The privilege to have this sign and seal applied is a wonderful privilege. And I think in recent times in the church, we are in danger of despising this holy ordinance of God. It is a wonderful, great privilege to be seen as an outward, visible member of the church of Jesus Christ. It is a privilege. It is a wonderful privilege. It is a blessing to be part of God's church Young people here, do you have the blessing of coming to church, hearing God's word? And what is more wonderful to to the ears of a believer than the sweet sound of the shepherd's voice? It is a privilege. But to bring us back to our introduction at the beginning, why do we baptize infants? We see many examples in the scriptures of people repenting and believing the gospel and then afterwards being baptized. We need biblical reasons to include anything in worship. 
I have many friends of mine who are close friends of mine who are Baptists. And one thing I love about my Baptist friends is they are so zealous. And they bring up one thing. That in order to include something in worship, it must be commanded in the scriptures. And when they say that to me, I say, Amen. And I can agree heartily with them. And so should we as Reformed Presbyterians. We need biblical, positive commands to include anything in Scripture because Scripture shows us that if we are innovative in worship, it is forbidden. Now, George is not old enough to tell us if he believes or not. We do not know what goes on in his heart. We do not know if he's been regenerated or not. Also, we do not know that he's not regenerated. John the Baptist is one wonderful example of a baby who was born again in his mother's womb. If you look to Luke chapter 1 verse 41. It tells us of when the babe leapt in the womb of his mother Elizabeth. When he was in the presence of Jesus Christ. Born again from the womb. Given the circumcision of Christ in the womb. So this regeneration can happen at any age. It can happen before the child is born. It can happen at six months old. It can happen at one year old. We do not know often when these things happen. But the question is, for you here this morning, do you believe? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you left behind the sin of the flesh? Or does it still cling to you? Being a barrier to your relationship with God. And dear friends, this is a work of the Lord. For salvation is of the Lord. But we baptize children of believers. Why? They can't tell us whether they believe or not believe. But not because of that. But because they're members of the covenant. I think it's important that we realize that it is members of the covenant community who have received the sign. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. Remembering this is in the New Testament. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Paul is speaking of a situation where one parent believes and one parent doesn't believe. What is the situation there? In the New Covenant, this is what Paul says. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Covenant children, by virtue of being in the covenant, are holy. Covenantally holy. Members of that visible, outward expression of the church. Now, of course, they may grow up to reject the teaching of Christ. They may never have been born again. A person can leave the covenant community through unbelief. But... The command of scripture is clear. That the promise is unto you and unto your children. And all that are far off as many as the Lord shall call. This was the case with circumcision. And we see in our text verses 11 and 12. Verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. In him. But also in him or with him. Verse 12. Buried with him in baptism. So it's likening circumcision to baptism. Circumcision in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 17 was seen as the sign, the outward sign of the covenant. 
And this has been replaced now in the New Testament by baptism. And just as children of believers, the male children of believers, receive the sign of the covenant, children of believers today are to also receive the sign and seal of the covenant. They are part of the visible expression of the church. And we need to pray daily for our covenant children. Yes, for George, we'll be baptized later. But also for every covenant child, that they would not break away through unbelief. It is a great privilege to be born into this covenant community. It is a great privilege which God has given. We do not baptize because we think it's a, it's a fun day for the family or anything else like that. We do it because God has commanded it. And children are still members of this covenant community. Our final point now is number four. The proclamation. The proclamation. So we looked at the principle of the text. We've looked at the picture of baptism. We've looked at the privilege that it is. And who it's been given to. But now what does it proclaim to everyone who is here this morning? As we said earlier. Is today just for George? As real danger we become very individualistic. About baptism. Or about anything in the church for that matter. Baptism has not been given to individuals. It has been given to the church. It is something that is to be done in public. This child is recognized as a member of the church. And so should also be raised, nurtured, encouraged, prayed for, fed. Everything that is possible within the bosom of the church. That's what it proclaims. That they are to be welcomed in, received just like any other member. Now, of course, they don't have the full, they don't have the full rights of membership just yet. Later on, when they're about in their teenage years, they will come forward to the session and, and ask about things like the Lord's table. But they are nonetheless viewed as part of the church. I say this to the parents here this morning. Keep not your children back from the blessing. Not just of baptism, yes, but also of worship. Also of worship. I think there was a, for a long time in church history, there was a belief that, well, children of a certain age, they can't get anything out of church. And maybe when they're about a certain age, they can start coming. Christ blesses children who come to him. Think about this. Mark chapter 10 verses 13 and 14. Then they brought little children to him. And those little children were infants. That he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. The children receive blessing by being in the presence of Christ. We don't know how much they understand in their intellectual abilities. In their minds. But worship is not just about the mind, dear friends. 
It is not just a glorified Sabbath school class. It is meeting with the infinite, holy God. It is coming into the temple of God and entering into the Holy of Holies and having that wonderful privilege. The veil has been rent and we come into the presence of Jesus Christ. And blesses all those in the church who will come to him. There is blessings for the little children, that is the infants, who meet with Christ. Bring them to worship as much as possible. I know children get sick and there's different reasons. There are times that they cannot come. And that is okay. You do your best. But bring them as much as possible. Bring them to Christ. Bring them to his word. Not just in public worship, but in family worship. Read the scriptures to them. The word of the shepherd will bless your children. Read it to them when they're two months old, three months old. Saturate their lives with scripture so that they grow up surrounded by the blessings of Christ. Christ still blesses infants today and all of us who come into his presence today. We must not treat worship as if it is just some class where we fill our minds. Yes, the mind is important. Yes, we must be engaged in our minds. But it is not just that. It is about our minds. It is about our hearts. And it is about our wills. It is all of us being transformed and changed. Bring your children. And bring yourself. If children, if infants can be blessed in the presence of Christ. So too can you. Come make church the most important thing for your week. The most important day is the Sabbath day, the chief and queen of all the days. Now as we draw this to a close, many here probably do not remember their baptism. Many here were probably too young when you were baptized. But as we apply the sign and seal of the covenant of grace, may it remind you of your baptism. Of how you need to look to what it signifies and seals. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing you from all sin. Let this baptism remind you of your need for Christ. Your need for Christ never ends. Ever. Your need for washing never ends. Your need for cleansing never ends. Your need for the circumcision with the circumcision made without hands never ends. By the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. This buried within in baptism, that need, that washing. Does your life say... What this text is teaching us here this morning in Christ. Do your neighbors, your lost neighbors see this? My life is hid in Christ. I live for him. I live for him. I breathe for him. His death has become my death. His resurrection, my resurrection. I have victory in Christ and in him alone. Or do your neighbors not see any difference between you and the rest of the world? Dear friends, look to Christ afresh. Renew those vows. 
trust the blood of Jesus Christ and Him alone, that you too may enjoy this sweet fellowship, this, this blessing of having the wiped out, the handwriting of the requirements that is against us, which is contrary to us, been nailed to the cross, having dis- disarmed principalities and powers, and having looked to Christ, having looked to Him and Him alone, you were gloriously washed, clean. And dear friends, because you are washed, because you are clean, you can enjoy sweet union and communion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.